So, let's talk about music. My name is Sergio Verrer, and I have as my guest today, uh, Dale Trombor. Did I pronounce it right? Yes, you okay. did. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's a composer. Um, and um, she has been performed all over the place. She's really a well-known choral composer and band composer too, and probably other things that I don't know. But uh, hi, hi Dale, how are you? Hi, I'm good, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Um, I usually ask a question first before we go into the music is, uh, how did you get to do this, to be a composer? Yeah, I mean, that's, I could give the, the long answer, the short answer, but- um, Well, the medium one. <laughs> medium one. So um, I've been composing just about as long as I've been taking piano lessons, um, which was age seven to about, I think I stopped when I was 23 or 24, um, and then kept, kept composing. But I used to just sit down at the piano and I would be supposed to be practicing. And then inevitably I would start writing my own music as well. So that's wow. the, that's the, the very beginning of the journey and the short answer. And I guess the medium answer is that I've, I've really prioritized doing this as my life and oh, as my livelihood. Um, and I've known probably from when I was, was around 16 or 17 that this was what I wanted to do for my career. And I've just, again, prioritized it so that I've gotten to the place where now this is how I make my living. And it took a while to get there, but, um, but yeah, it's it's just what I love doing more than just about anything else. Cool. Yeah, I I've been uh, listening to your music uh, for this uh, podcast, and yet you have a definitely your own style, which is something that uh, many composers try to achieve, but not everybody gets there. Anyway, uh, I you sent me a few pieces, three pieces. I would like to start by listening to, um, to, it's called, um, it's, it's part of a suite, I think it's how to go on. Can you mm -hmm. tell us what that suite is all about and what the piece we're gonna hear has to do with the piece, with the, with the yes. whole work? Yeah, absolutely. So how to go on is, uh, it's a secular requiem. And I know some people take issue with that phrase because by definition, a, a capital R requiem is a religious uh, part, of, part of a mass often, um, or just a standalone piece of music uh, that has religious undertones. Um, but I wanted to write a piece and this ended up being an eight movement piece uh, that really encourages us to celebrate and sort of open our eyes to our lives while we're here. And then also gives us a path through grief when we lose someone who we love, uh, a, a way to cope with that grief without necessarily having to turn to religion. I know I was raised, uh, I was raised Christian. Now I'm agnostic. I just wanted a piece of music that let that kind of welcomed everyone in and met them all at, at whatever place in their journey um they happened to be all right so, yeah so this is very one one movement of that eight movement suite very nice um let me i'm gonna put it on 
I'm going to share my my sound with you. And. Well, that's very beautiful. Uh, it's very moving, but it gives me the impression of a couple separating. What, what were the lyrics that you used for this? Yeah, so the poem is by Laura Foley, who's a, a contemporary poet. She lives in Vermont um, with her partner and their dogs uh, who made an appearance in another piece I wrote recently, um, <laughs> because a lot of her work is autobiographical. Um, but I think, I think about the leaving in this poem as being a temporary leaving, although in the context of how to go on, which of course is, is a requiem, is a piece that we associate with someone we've lost, we might think of it as, I guess, stepping back from our life in another way, um, or, or looking at someone else's life in that way. But I think in this particular poem, um, I know the comparison I make in my 
own life and, and what I was thinking of when I found this poem um, was just the moments where I'm traveling and I'm away from my partner and my house. And um, sometimes it's in those moments of going to an artist residency or, or traveling to go hear a premiere, just being away that we really can take stock of what we have and I see. Um, what we're missing. I think we'd see it with a fresh with fresh eyes. I see. I have a question. Do you like jazz? Do I like jazz? Yeah, yeah I actually, um, yeah. So I, I grew up, it's kind of funny. I grew up loving musical theater, but um, especially like Gershwin and Cole Porter. Um, and so I, my, my jazz exposure was sort of secondhand. Like it was through that, like through musical theater arrangements or through those composers processing jazz in their own way. Um, and it wasn't really until college that I got, like I got more into listening to like Ella Fitzgerald recordings um, or like Miles Davis or, you know, um, I took a yeah, class in jazz, but yeah. I mentioned it because in here you arrive at this um, like culminant chord that to the, the the climactic chord is the word I'm trying. And there is a little bit of a jazz feeling to it. You know, it's a very dense chord and very and and it had a flavor of jazz and I've noticed a little bit throughout that there is this a little bit just a little bit. It's not, it's not a jazz composition, but there was an, I thought I, I should ask her if she likes this stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I do. Absolutely. And I think, I think, especially since so much of what I do works with text, I think when there's moments of complexity, or like uh -huh. a, a more nuanced emotion in the text, sometimes that calls for more emotional nuance in the chord. And that translates to me often to those, like to to ninths and elevenths and thirteenths. So, right. like, if you were to analyze the chords in a jazz framework, that would be that yeah. would make more sense. I did that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was counting. That's a nine. That's an eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, that's why I like to get the scores before, so I could know what I'm listening to, because it takes some some uh, you know looking into it and 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 you try and you avoid normal cadence. You go from something to those chords and then out, right? Yeah. A Try lot to of avoid the time, yeah. the normal yeah. one, four, five, one thing. It's yeah. not there. Yeah. At, at least Although, I don't feel it. It might be yeah. there, but it's hidden if it is there. Yeah. And I think that's the goal sometimes is to go about it in a sort of a sneaky way, um, where, <laughs> or, or like a veiled way, where you're, you, if it is a more common progression, you don't know. Right. So you don't necessarily notice it because of what the melody is playing with it a little bit or um, or alternate altering the chords. Yeah. Yeah. But that's really emotional. The that those three minutes of music with that particular chord at the end really works very nice. I heard it for the first time at the at the 20th anniversary of uh, Gershon being at the they played it. They played a yeah. video of it and uh, yeah, and I said, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was a great, anytime I get to work with the LA Master Chorale, I just, you know, I'm so grateful because I really think we're, we're lucky to be here in Southern California where there is just a wealth of 
not only that chorus, which is truly, yeah. I think, one of the great choruses in the U.S., if not the world, but also we just we have so many great ensembles here. I agree. I work with the San Fernando Valley Master Choral, and and it's it's a good ensemble. It, we're we're getting it to a point where our goal is to be a rival to the other Master Choral, but we're <laughs> a little bit away from that. <laughs> Still, you know. Anyway, let's go to the next piece. This is a this is a very California piece, right? The 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 surfer piece. Yes, between water and air. And this premiered so we're talking on on a Tuesday and it premiered the Sunday before, just 2 days ago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but I got so they uh the USC chamber singers who I actually I sang with them when I was in grad school at USC. I see. Um they commissioned this piece and um they had actually recorded it. They were nice enough to record the piece before they premiered it, which is kind of a funny experience to get this really polished, nice recording. Um, before and the then, premiere. Before, and then, yeah, I hear the premiere second. Yeah, yeah. I I was listening to this, I said, okay, so we are in California and this is a California piece. You know, it's just very nice description of uh, of, surfing yeah you know i i i liked it very much let me let me play it for everybody so they know what we're talking about i'll show <laughs> the the sound again there we go
very nice. Uh, you were at the premiere? Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I really was very yeah. nicely received. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's always funny being like hearing your pieces premiere because I like on one hand, yes, it's it's great when other people come up to you and uh, and tell you they like the piece, but I'm always trying, and I, I'd be curious if you how you process this too, but I'm always trying to just kind of zero in on my own experience and my own impression. And especially in the moment of when the piece is happening, I'm trying to just almost get in like a meditative zone of just paying attention to the music and letting everything go around me, like not focusing on the audience, not wondering or worrying if anyone else is gonna like it, just thinking like, it, did, I, did I do justice? Usually again, if there's text, did I do justice to this poem? And then hopefully are they doing justice to the music and then just appreciating that in the moment while it happens. Um, yeah, because really you. we work- I, I can yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Do you have any, yeah. I, I what's mean- your, What's your experience like when you're at a premiere? I am nervous. I am yeah. nervous. I, and and um, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm nervous for the performers. I'm nervous for the audience. It's hard for me. It's hard, but you know, I just sit down and and try to enjoy it and try to see what they're doing and everything. But it's it's not easy. I I don't I don't think. I know I know for example some actors that never see their movies. Mm, the, yeah. Anthony Hopkins, I think he doesn't see his movies. You know, it, it's mm -hmm. it's a very hard experience. Even even taping lessons, I remember, and hearing the lesson afterwards, said, I play like that? <laughs> really? <laughs> Did it yeah. sound like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, but it's funny too, like we don't have the option, I think. I mean, of course, I guess we could hide and say, no, I will not come to the premiere, but the whole point is the, yeah. the work of art. Like it's, it's usually, it's, we're toiling away in our, in our office, um, right. our studio. And then the whole point is to get to this moment of music making, but it is very strange. I think uh, just being a composer and the fact that you put all this work in and then you just completely release it into the hands of other people or the, the mouths <laughs> in this case, yeah. and you have to just sit there and, um, and see what happens, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. there was a, I did an oratorio some years ago in, uh, here in, in Bullshit Boulevard Temple, and we had the premiere there. And then the soloist comes in at twice the speed, at twice the speed, exactly at two per one. The, the conductor, you must know him, Charlie Kim. You know Charlie? The, the well, name is familiar, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's a member of the Master Chorale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he sings with the Master Chorale and um, and he also, and he's the conductor of the San Fernando Valley Massacre. He handled it, just put the hand like this, boom. <laughs> and the soloist stopped and he brought him back in. And I said, oh my God, you saved my life, my friend. <laughs> oh my gosh. It could have gone the whole, the whole rest of the I mean, he was going at yeah. twice the speed. So it, it wasn't going to work. So, uh, uh, yeah. I've definitely but, had those moments too. I mean, it's, it's one thing when it's like, 
again, I got this recording ahead of time. I went in for a rehearsal with them, I think a month and a half ago, and they were already doing a beautiful job with it. And they know the ensemble really well, but oh, to step in with an ensemble, especially when you don't know the ensemble as well, or you haven't been at a rehearsal or you've been at a rehearsal, but the soloist wasn't there yet for that rehearsal. Um, or even there's all you sorts say, of things. You, I was at the rehearsals and I know yeah. the ensemble and, but, yeah. and the guy knows the piece. And it's just yeah. one thing that happened in this in the moment. You know, it's it's a live performance. We don't do lip sync in yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't do lip sync in classical music. Maybe right. someone does every now and then, but no, <laughs> choirs don't do that. <laughs> no, no. We Unless maybe if they're making a music video or something. But yeah, but no, yeah, no, and I I try and remind myself in those moments because again, I I've I've for sure had those moments where I'm in the audience and I'm trying to just sort of like breathe through it but my my urge is like to just run on stage and be like stop like, you're, you're doing it can wrong. I change that sir can I change that right now that note can I change that like can we just can we just try that again like, can we just try another you'll do it better the second time no there is no second time but that's also that's that humanity and all the you know, inherent flaws that come with being human and having a live performance. That's the flip yeah. side of that is like, that's why we do what we do. We do it for the, the like electricity and the aliveness of and the magic of live performance um, with all yeah. of its beauty and flaws. Yeah, I agree. But, and, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're not doing, your music is not, I mean, it's not atonal, but it's not conventional either. So it, so it, Every time that you put one of these pieces out there, you're putting your yourself out there. It's different when you're doing, well, I guess any any type of music, every time you put something like that, it's like your child is going there, your your baby, and 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 you're feeling anxious about it. And and it's uh another one thing that people don't don't understand too much about composers is that. Composing is a solitary profession. Mm -hmm. Most of the thing, you're doing it by yourself. It's not, a it's not a collaborative art form. It's not making a movie. It's not, it's like writing or doing a painting or, you know, it's this, yeah. this type of art. You are by yourself a lot of the time. And you want, one wants to be with people and wants to interact and everything, but premieres are, a pretty stressful thing for anybody that I know. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Even, yeah. like you said, even if you're there for much of the rehearsal process, yes. it's even still, then, I, yeah, even when I'm playing, I mean, I, I accompany sometimes um, for premieres um, or just like the, later this week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fly out and accompany. The Phoenix Chorale is doing an existing piece of mine in the middle and I'm, I'm flying out and I'm just playing piano for this five minute piece for three concerts, sort of just because I can, because right. I asked if I wanted to and I said yes. Um, but I still, then I'm that element that might mess up and that's even more stressful, I think, knowing that like yeah. I'm, I'm suddenly the cog in the machine that could <laughs> throw everything off or, yeah. I mean, I, uh, there's also a degree of trust there. I'm not going to come in at, you know, twice the speed. I know if I've practiced, I sort right. of, I mean, hopefully if I'm using the music too, like I, I, there's a limit to what kind of mistake I will make. Yeah. Like, hope, yeah. One hopes, right. You could hit a wrong note and the world goes yeah, on. Nothing happens. No, yeah. I, 
I started as a concert pianist and oh, yeah. I, I sat in front of people for an hour playing a program by heart. That that's nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know. Oh, I hate I were you good at memorization? Because I know I I still memorization just like it terrifies me. And I used to do it for piano recitals. Uh-huh. But it just oh I, yeah, I it, like, it, didn't trust myself. There was there was anyway. one program. I'm gonna tell you this. I that I performed uh I don't know 13 pieces and I didn't finish, I improvised finished for seven of them. That's <laughs> it. It was a bad day. And <laughs> it was just and and the, the mechanism goes and and so right now what I'm doing is I'm playing with notes. And I said, you know what? This started as as a stunt in the 19th century. Some pianist decided, you know. There are so many pianists going around. I'm going to play it by heart. And look, I can play it by heart. And then everybody started to play by heart because it was the stunt and it was what was required. And, and there is no reason to kill oneself. There's no reason yeah. to, to be so nervous that, or, or to learn how to improvise or to, you know. You, you know who suffered the most with those things? My wife. <laughs> 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 because she knew the pieces, right? Yes. And I was... Yeah. I was in the, I was performing and she was in the audience and she almost died two or three times during a recital. <laughs> oh God, what's he going to do with that thing? But she's, she's probably the, the only one who knows them all that yeah. intimately. And, and like more when I started to play my own stuff, then yeah. she was the only one that knew the stuff. But, yeah. but uh, still, it's nerve wracking. It's very, yeah. And you're so right too. I think there's, there's this pressure in classical music to be a certain way. Like if you are performing yeah. and new, new music, luckily gets a pass here. I think because people understand it is new and people need the score because they haven't had a chance to memorize it. Whereas other pieces, if you're playing like Chopin, you might've played it for 20 years at this point And you, you know, you've had a chance to not only memorize it, but sit with it for a for decade so or decades. But, um, but yeah, I just think it's, it's about what, <laughs> What makes you comfortable in performing? I think if I just think there's a lot of room yeah, in classical the, music still where we can relax a little bit. Yeah, now there is no much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there is no reason not to have the notes in front of you, and yeah. uh, plus contemporary music. I mean, the the common practice period, the Baroque and classical and Romantic music followed certain rules. It was like this, 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 and it, this happened. So. Memorizing the patterns is not the same as a contemporary piece that the guy just thought this out and, and puts the notes and there you go. You play it. Yeah. Why this is not here? Well, because that's how it goes. That's what I thought. That's how I created it, which is very, very, very valid. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so a lot of people don't, on contemporary music, they won't do it. Yeah, and and then the I same, saw a critic. Yeah. I saw Giampiero Rampal did a concert, a concerto for flute that was written for him. And then in the Times the next day there was a, there was the, a, the critic, you know, I, he, he he must have held his nose like this high <laughs> and say, well, you know, Mr. Rampal, you know, people are supposed to play things by heart when you're, ah, uh, he's criticizing Giampiero Rampal because he. He, he read a score. No, that's not. 
that's not and and the role of the critic has changed in classical music now he has to be a cheerleader because if you start criticizing the the performances of the the few critic of the few classical ensembles that are there people just won't go anymore and yeah won't have anything so, no i i agree i think there's i think that role has definitely shifted and and as it dies out has not been replaced by something similar um yeah, I was going to say too. I know as a composer, just thinking about about form and structure, I try and be really intentional. If I do bring back music that's similar mm -hmm. to something that's happened before, and it is, it's it is changed the second time. I try to think very intentionally, even though no, even if no one memorizes it ever, I still try and be really intentional with those changes, um, so that they do make sense. Okay. Uh, like if someone if someone were to memorize it, they'd be able to sort of compartmentalize. Like the first time we hear this music, it happens this way, but the second time it's this way for a reason or not where it's just, it's like one note is is different for seemingly no reason in a repetition. I just, I think there's ways to be thoughtful as a composer about how you, how you approach form in that regard. Definitely. Where it's intentional, yeah. Definitely. And I find yeah. that even in, in some atonal pieces I've written, but for my for me, it's more intuitive. I, I'm not so intentional. Mm -hmm. I just let it go. And it, eventually when I come back and I look at it, it said, yes, this is the same thing. And, and it's a little bit different and that's it. But I, I just let it flow. We all have a process to compose, you know? Yeah. And um, I have a question to ask. How did you develop your style? How did you arrive at this type of writing? Because it is it seems intentional, you know, it is not haphazard. How, how, how much time did it take you to get this to this style? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's strange with style. There's like, you're never thinking fully consciously about it because on some level it is intuitive and it is just right. a matter of the sounds that I myself like in my listening life where I like I like when something's a little bit complex, but there's still a tonal center. Like you could still identify the tonal center, even right. if it's shifting every few bars, you could still, right? You could still pick out dough in any, if you pause the track at any moment, you could be like, oh, I feel this note as the home base. For me, and that's not to say that I don't also love listening uh, to atonal music sometimes or, or have great respect for atonal composers because I absolutely do, but for whatever reason, when I'm writing my own music, that's just what it is. Like if I write something that feels too simple to me, I feel the urge to complicate it. And I think that that calibration is different for me, of course, as, as it would be for another composer. Like for some composers that urge to complicate goes way further and other composers are much happier with, with a simpler, simpler chords it's it's funny and I'll have listeners and performers too some people are like oh your music's so hard and I'm like it's not it's not that hard like have you <laughs> have you played like Faber like how have you what have you listened to you know um or just uh, there's uh, you know a wild wildly different spectrum or wild differences I guess on the spectrum of complexity and um yeah just tonality it's not Ligeti. Yeah, uh, no, have you seen those, no, 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 those no. studies of Ligeti? I mean, oh my gosh, yes. I play. Oh, what I can now I can't remember the Ar 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 Arkansas. The, like one of the easy, easy. 
<laughs> comparatively one of the easier little piano um, etudes of Ligeti's. And it's still just really, really challenging. Like even the easier. Yeah, like there was this, uh, this pianist at the turn of the century that was also a composer called Godard. I don't know if you have encountered some of his pieces, but the guy had 54 etudes written on Chopin's 27 etudes that were way more difficult than Chopin's eight. <laughs> okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. different times. <laughs> if you can master Chopin etudes these days, you're you are a virtuoso for sure. This guy went way beyond that. But, <laughs> but, but you, when you think of what has persisted of the great composer, some of the pieces that have persisted are, are the more simple ones. Yeah, you know, because yeah, for at least how many times has that been played? But it was accessible to everyone, you know. It's not the masterpiece of Beethoven, but it is a little masterpiece. It is a little yeah. thing that it's very, very well written, and anybody can play. So, simplicity and complexity—it's what one wants to make it, I think. And yeah, I always, I, I agree. I, I always tell people that my definition of style is the is the. It's the group of things that you like. You have decided mm -hmm. through your life that you like this and you like this and you like this and you put them together and you don't do other things because you don't like them. So making the decisions, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to do this. And uh, have you ever find that after, well, after some time, some pieces, uh, you wish you have done something different with them or or you just leave them alone. Yeah, so my strategy is always to to just move forward. I call I, I have a phrase for it too, which is fix it forward, which is just like identify what yeah. I didn't like in whatever I just did. If anything, um, usually there's some little something nagging at me or it's nagging at me from a piece like five years ago. And then I try to make that better, that element better. Um, or if I've if like in the next piece, yeah, if I've used uh, an extended technique and I'm like, I could have done that more efficiently or more, you know, I could have notated that better. That all applies to future pieces. Um, but unless it's a little notation issue or a typo, I don't go back and fix older pieces. I only, only fix it forward, um, not backward. Yeah, my, my, I only took composition from one teacher, which was my mentor. That was also the, the person that taught me piano and and he had that philosophy, you know, he just heard a piece. He said, you know, maybe it's a little short, a little long, things like that. And said, okay, write another one. Mm -hmm. Go to the next one, go to the next one, go to the next one. And he had me writing. Because if you yeah. start getting too critical of your writing, then you stop writing. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. I'm, I absolutely, that's my philosophy as well. And I think going back to that idea of style too I think you only that only evolves in a given period of time I think I think it's hard obviously you can't look at like one piece and define that you might have an idea of the style of that composer but you don't really get the breadth of that until you look at someone's catalog from years and years and the only way as a creator to get that that sort of width and breadth and expansiveness of your own style and to explore what that means is to write a lot of pieces over and over. Definitely. And yeah. uh, sometimes 
the only thing that the only regrets sometimes I have is when someone pushes me to write certain way and I follow mm -hmm. it and then I say that wasn't quite me you know that was me trying to make simpler pieces or me trying to adapt to what this person requested or something but you just you know correct it forward as fix it forward that's a great yeah. one I'll I'll yeah. I'll take that one if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll appropriate <laughs> that that expression <laughs> yes. because I I like it. Anyway, yeah. we're we're pretty much out of time. Uh, it went pretty fast. We uh, I wanted to go over the the band piece too, but uh, it we don't have time. But uh, I want to thank you very much for sharing a little bit of time with me and uh, with the people that are going to hear this and. Uh, and I congratulate you on, on your music. It's really, it's really something. I mean, it's nice. You should you should feel proud that you have your own thing. It's uh, <laughs> as a, as another composer, I'm telling you that because it is not easy, and I know that. Okay. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and thanks thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And uh, th th that's all, folks. We're done.